You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Boys and girls, welcome back to the Hot Take Hot Box. My name is Matt McSweeney, and thank you as always for joining me on this glorious and beautiful Tuesday afternoon here in the Delaware Valley. Um, we got we got a I wouldn't say a lot to talk about now. Football season winding down. We have uh, you know we'll have draft talk. Uh, we'll start with the Sixers and uh, everything going on with that. They're providing us all the necessary content we may need. We got the Sixers are hot as hell right now. 15 of their last 18 games have been wins. Uh, worked their way all the way back up into the top of the Eastern Conference. Half game out of first place. Uh, we will talk about that. Simmons and uh, Ramona Shelburne with a uh, the you know as the mouthpiece for the for the Clutch Sports Group, uh, talking about his side, what he feels, um, just his you know his thoughts, and we'll get into all that. Uh, the Flyers broke a 12 game or, you know, however many, they just continued to disappoint, but they finally did get a win this past weekend, uh, while no one was actually in the building. So there's that, uh, we will talk about the NFL, uh, the NFC, NFC and AFC championship games from this past weekend, but let's start by getting in to the 76ers. As I said, 15 of their last 18 games have been wins. They're absolutely on a hot streak, and that hot streak kind of um, tails or you know follows behind Embiid's uh, tear that he continues to go on. We can we'll go through uh, you know quickly the games from the past week that you know, and now we're in a five game win streak, but I'll let alone. But uh, Sixers took out the Pelicans, who barely had anybody playing. Uh, Hernan Gomez, you know, you had Juan. Was it is it Juan or Willie? Which one? It was Willie. Willie Hernan Gomez at twenty nine and ten, uh, Nikhil Walker Alexander, Alexander Walker, yeah, I messed that up. But uh, we're not really concerned about the Pelicans. They they really were undermanned that night. Uh, game was a little closer than it should have been. But the the motto and the mentality now is just win is a win. You know, I'm not really worried about taking these teams apart and destroying them. We've we've done enough of that. We we take care of business against. Uh, teams like that and we kind of slept walked through the first half and then tore it up in the second half and beat at 42 in this game uh let me just get the full stat line 42 14 and 4 which you know i mean come on that's the the mvp conversation he went from a plus 3600 uh so if you were to bet 10 you'd win 360 dollars he's now down to around like 400 plus 400 uh, you know, plus 350 area battling out with like Jokic and you now the KD injury has really helped that situation. And Curry forgetting how to be able to shoot the basketball now is a, uh, another whole problem in itself. Getting to the free throw line. He had 20 free throw attempts in that game, 18 of 20 from the free throw line. Uh, ha- T- Tobias Harris at 33. And that's all you basically needed when you're two big, you know, your big players. Uh, if Embiid can get any sort of help on a given night, it's we're going to be very tough to beat because if Embiid is giving you 30 plus and someone else is even giving you a 20, 25 plus uh, situation, you're going to win these games. You're going to be extremely tough to beat. And that's all we've asked for for the last, what, three, I mean, however many years since. And we've declared and realized that Embiid is the truth, and he is our, our leader. Our, we are going to follow him in the battle, and he's going to, you know, be the one that we're going to have to jump on his back to get a championship. If that's, uh, you know, obviously the ultimate goal. So they win that Tuesday night. They go Thursday, a big home game, national televised game against the Lakers. 
no LeBron. We find out before the game. Uh, you know, I, I, we were, you know, a couple people, not myself, of course, were calling him a coward. You know, I, I, who knows? You know, who knows what he's even saying that? I, I would never say anything like that. But um, you know, it, it, it turned out it wasn't just like him sitting out. That's what it seemed like at the time. But he's uh, dealing with a little bit of a knee swelling and uh, just uh, you know, very un-LeBron like situation where he's just you know starting to get a little older. He's got these uh, nagging injuries that keep uh, you know piling up uh, it seems like the more uh you know the more time that goes on and the more years that he's played i mean before you would never see it. now he's got like uh the last couple of years last five years i'd say a back uh groin he rolled the ankle i mean he is human being it's it's not you know it's not like the end of the world getting hurt but it just uh it's it's um i guess not shocking but it's just surprising i guess you, you would say to see lebron you know starting to uh I don't want to say breakdown, but I guess wear down. A little wear and tear is starting to add up. So I think they're going to sit him out for a while and let him uh, rest, get back to 100%, and whatever they are actually trying to do in the in the West. Uh, I don't know if the when you watch the the Lakers, I, I, it's not a team that I'm very uh, scared of, or I would be scared of if I had a team at West. They're ninth in the uh, Western Conference right now, so they're in. Uh, they're in a huge danger of not making the playoffs and uh, they're dead. They'll be lucky to play in one of those play uh, playing games at the end of the season. But back to the game, back to the Sixers and bead, you know, if with, for all intents and purposes was a bad game for him uh, in the recent stretch run that he's had. I mean, 26, nine and seven, uh, nine of 20 from the field, you know, eight of 13 from the, from the three free throw line. He made no threes. Oh, five. So, you know that's that's a bad game for Embiid nowadays. That's that's yeah, it's it's crazy. That's how um, how much he's leveled up and how uh, just elite he has been in, in these last two months. Where that we we see a night like that and it's like oh man, like this this is a real you know not even like not a horrible night, but you're just like wow, he wasn't really on the night. You know he wasn't dominating the way he had been in the in the last couple games or as efficient, I guess you could say. Uh, Anthony Davis looked great. Uh, he 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 definitely came to play and uh, 31, 12, 14 to twenty one from the field. You know he 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 did his thing, but the Sixers were able to get it done. They had Toby with twenty three, another solid quality game, three of five from the three point line, which has always been my big thing with him. Please, you know, take and make your threes. He gets a lot of open threes. Standing used to at least standing in the corner where he would just brick the front rim, like where he would just have no legs on it and. You just need we we need to be able to count on him and trust him to make those open shots. Maxi with a fourteen and ten. It's, this was a game where they kind of uh, they the Lakers just really had nothing for them. They only scored eighty seven points, and it just really wasn't a uh, huge huge uh, battle or you know problem for for the Sixers. The Kings game well on Saturday that was a little, not I guess a little different. It was a much closer game. Uh, Hall you know Tyrese Halliburton are uh, you know who's been kind of somewhat in rumors and talks and, and just been involved. Like, just his name's been floated out there. I don't know if the Kings really would want to. That seems like the one guy that if you're in Sacramento, you really want to get wouldn't want to get rid of. He's so young. He's got so much potential, and uh, you can see the talent. It, obviously, it's not every night he's putting up 38 points, but you can see that he's uh, what he's capable of and what, what, what kind of player he could be. Uh, I floated the idea out on Twitter. I'll always follow me on Twitter at Matt McSweeney. But 
um, you know, would you trade Ben Simmons for Tyrese Halliburton? I'm sure there are other, you know, you'd have to add in other players to make it work. But the main piece being Halliburton for Simmons, would you do it? And it was a, you know, pretty overwhelming result. A little, you know, uh, over a hundred votes on it had had a 71 percent um, for for Tyrese Halliburton for yes, they they would make the trade. They would get him in here, and I I agree. I mean, it's just that's a player where if your idea is that you don't you want to hold off to for Harden or hold off you know trading him for another uh, talent or a big time talent like that if that's ultimately your goal you could trade Halliburton in the offseason you know you it, it's you could argue I would argue that uh, Halliburton's a much more valuable and better prospect than Ben Simmons at this point and you, you we can we can the the arguments and discussions could go on for this all day long, but I think Simmons has shown you all you need to see, and if you, you'll be lucky to get whatever it is that you wind up getting for him at a certain point, because I just don't know what is his value. You know, all those discussions that we continue to have over and over again. I'm getting tired of it at this point, but I, I'm of the camp, and there's a, a big split in the in the Sixers fan base of whether you would trade him now. I guess get what you can is uh, the discussion, but I'm not just in the let's get what we can trade them right now and just get whoever a role player. Like if you can make a trade like a Halliburton or get somebody that you feel like you could uh, build and grow with in the future, then yes, I, I, I would do that. If some, I just need some sort of a valuable one piece back, not a one for one, but in the trade, I want one guy that I believe can help me in the future that can, that can be a running mate for him. Like, because Maxi has grown so much in just the last year, just the, since the playoffs. Since you could say the playoff series, where you know he was still a rookie, he was still he was getting minutes over our all-star point guard Ben Simmons. Couldn't play him because he couldn't make free throws. He was shooting like thirty-three or something ridiculous percent from the free throw line. He he's grown immensely just from just from that his his ability to run the offense. His shooting, his just his ability to get his own shot, hitting fate mid-range fadeaways, and going to the rack. I mean, that's a discussion in and of itself. That how a little guy like Maxi goes to the rack with reckless abandon and just attacks, attack, attack, attack all the time. When we had a guy who is six ten and a like a physical, like a freak of nature, uh, like muscle built, strong. Uh, was terrified, absolutely was petrified to go to the rim because if you know if you're he's going to the rim, I'm hacking the shit out of him and sending him the line, and that that is his biggest fear in all basketball. It seems like standing at that free throw line by himself to try and make some free throws, and it, it seems no matter how much he tries or how much he practices, it's just not going to matter. It's a, a huge mental block for him, and he you can't you can't do anything scared, but especially you can't play a game and you can't play a basketball game with fear or or scared or any sort of just paranoia in your heart you just you have to go out there and lay it all on the line ben can't do that i don't know if he ever will it's that's just something that's that's inside him that's just that's who he is you know you know i, I don't like doing the um the, the deep uh, personal dives in here cuz he's just a basketball player but at the end of the day it's it it kind of it, it goes towards your character and who you who you are as a player and as a person. And you can just tell by the, the comments he's made and how he's taking no accountability for any of this, that he just, none of this is his fault. 
It never will, we'll, and we'll get into that. So uh, the Sixers took care of business against the uh, the Kings in a game that was much closer than it should have been. I will say, uh, it came down to the very end, last shot. We and they were able to, you know, we were able to play defense on that last possession, miss. We get the, you know, we get the win, skate out of there with a victory, and pretty similar last night. Played the Grizzlies, no Embiid, Embiid out with rest, and uh, we had a couple guys come up huge in his absence. Notably, Maxi and uh, Tobias Harris, Curry and Drummond. They all played over 40 minutes last night. But Curry, Steph, Seth Curry had a not good game. One for eight from the three from the three point line. Maxi 33, 33 points, eight boards. Harris 31 points, five boards, five assists. Uh, I think I said boards, but Maxi had uh, eight assists, three boards. Uh, so you know. It's it's huge when your when your guys are out when you, when you just need to get the big man some rest. This is a game that I you really wanted to see because Ja is another guy who's uh just a, uh a a true like superstar and waiting MVP candidate. It's all happening right now. It's not even like tomorrow or he will be like right now. That's happening, and he uh, he's a problem. He is a athletic monster. He finishes at the rim. He's just he's able to to get tough shots off at all times. It's just it was fun watching him play last night. It was last night was one of the most fun Sixers games I've had the pleasure of watching in some time just because of the the fight and just like when you don't have your guys and you the chips are down, you love seeing the other guys pick, you know, pick the team up and just listen, hey man, our, our big guy's not here. He's not playing, but we're, we're not going to roll over. We're not going to die. You know, we're we're going to go out there and we're we're going to we're going to give it our all. Drummond, 16 points, 23 boards, 5 assists. Huge, huge game in relief for the big man and it's you would never get that from uh some of the guys that I mean maybe Dwight Howard could do that once a year, but it, it's you know, he even Dwight Howard wasn't a trustworthy uh, backup to, to you know when you would need him to play, he would get thrown out in the first four minutes of the game. You know, arguing with uh, Grayson Allen or something like that. You know, like it, he just was a uh, he he just had no like IQ IQ at all. Like it just seemed like whenever we needed him the most, or you know, he just it, Dwight Howard was a guy who I just I thought would be great. He would do good stuff in short uh, bursts, but then it would just you're just like, oh okay, that's why you're a backup. And Drummond's the same way. You realize, oh okay, like when he's missing like easy layups or he can't score around the rim, you're like, oh okay, that's why he's a backup. But that guy is an elite rebounder. He always has been since he came into the league. But Sixers get it done. Uh, that's five in a row. Uh, you know, since that uh, Clippers game that they really had no business uh, losing. So what's next for the boys? We got Wizards on uh, Wednesday. We got the Mavericks going to Dallas on Friday night. We got Bulls who are uh, ahead of us in the Eastern Conference. They're the number one seed. So that'll be a nice test on Sunday afternoon. It might be a nationally televised game maybe, but it should be. But it's a 3.30 game. Uh, it's not, but uh, and then we get the Suns at home next Tuesday, and that should uh, you know we'll probably be back here talking about them before then. So it's a nice uh, little docket of games that we have uh, looking forward to or uh, up on the uh, up on the horizon. I did want to talk a little bit about just some of the nonsense involving Simmons and the the story that came out with Ramona Shelburne, uh, touching on a lot of important details from the saga. Uh, I did want to just read a couple quotes. Uh, here we go from from this is the, from the from the uh, article and uh, according to sources close to Simmons, 
He's upset that Embiid seemed to blame him for last season's playoff loss when Simmons did not blame Embiid for Embiid's play, poor play. Or I'm sorry, let me read that again. When Simmons did not blame Embiid for Embiid's poor showing in the playoffs against the Toronto Raptors in 2019. So that's just absolutely outlandish to even think that that, that those are the same or that the not like it's it almost uh like hurts your brain to even try and uh, oh yeah like maybe he's right maybe maybe you know maybe we were unfair maybe you know what Embiid does for the team or what he did for the team in that in that Raptors series it, it's he's not the re- like it's you're tr- he's trying to act like Embiid's the reason we lost that series it's it could not be farther from the truth that guy was a plus 90, and the team was like a minus minus over 100 when he wasn't on the floor. There was He was unreplaceable. You could not take him off the floor, especially in that game seven. They took him off the floor for, what, two and a half minutes, three minutes? Take him off the floor, put Greg Monroe in. The other team goes on a 9-0 run. You have to take him out immediately and put Embiid back in. Guy was completely wiped, tired. He couldn't. He couldn't dominate on the offensive end like, he, like he's accustomed to or like they, the team needs him to. Because he's using all of his energy to stop stop everyone on defense. He's going to war on the other end of the floor. He's rim protecting for everybody the entire time. So, I mean, Simmons, he did his, he did okay. You know, he did his thing against uh, Kawhi. He was, he was guarding him a lot. He was, you know, I'm, I'm not saying it was like, and no, I don't think anyone even said that, that, that the series was strictly Ben Simmons' fault last year. Like that, it, it, he was a big component of it. But no one, no one is saying like that. It was all his fault. I understand how he was like he heard the uh, post game and was like, "Oh, that's not fair." Like he, he said, "Oh, well, you know, I think it was the 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 big line is when he said, "Oh, well, yeah, I think the ch- the turning point was when we passed up a dunk for free throws and missed them." So I mean, Thibel, I've I've talked about it on here a million times. Thibel's a big reason why we lost that game because of just his stupidity. He, he fouls. Uh, I I don't remember who it is. It was. One of the white gentlemen, Bogdanovich or something like that, he or Horder. It might have been Horder, but he fouls him on a three pointer that he had. It was just so unnecessary. You, he did not need to close out the way he did, and that, that just there was. And t- Toby went, you know, absolutely fell, just went to sleep for the last four for the fourth quarter of that game. There's so many different. I mean, they blew it. The, the whole team blew a 26 point lead. No one was blaming him specifically. Ben just never took accountability for any of it. He's and that's the difference between him and the other guys that we talk about. Like Embiid, even Tobias has taken accountability when they have not played well. They are are un- understanding and they can admit, okay, listen, I was not my best this series. You guys deserve better. I understand why people will say that I sucked or whatever they're saying. I'm gonna come back better. I'm gonna use this as fuel. I'm gonna get better at, at my game. I'm gonna I'm gonna work on my on my shot. I'm gonna work on going to the rim. I'm gonna work on shooting free throws. Just shit like that. He never ever 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 admitted anything any wrongdoing, and, and he barely you know oh well, how many how many points are Young had like it's always just a deflection or a, a blame someone else or y- you know just. It's just childish. Ben Simmons acts childish when things aren't going his way. It's 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 a a common theme throughout his whole. I mean, I, I guess his whole his whole life or his career, but it's definitely been a a common theme since he's been here, right? 
I mean, he he's never once, uh, uh, you know, uh, I'm an all star. You know, like when when they said, well, how, how come you don't want to shoot? How come you don't need to, you know, get 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 better? You get well, I'm an all star. Well, you know, what am I doing wrong? You know, basically, kind of like why do I need to get better? Like, there's no reason for me to get better. I'm already good, and that's just such a uh, loser's mentality. If I'm being honest, you know, you don't think Tom Brady would ever say that, or or one of the the you know the greats, the Michael Jordans of the world. Oh, I don't need to get better. I'm already the man. LeBron, you know, uh, on the offseason, oh, yeah, I, I, I won four championships. I'm the man. I don't need to get better. I don't need to adjust anything. I don't need to, you know, refine my three-point shot. Like, LeBron was already the man, and he realized, you know, how much deadly, how much more deadly could I be if I become, like, a knockdown three-point shooter? And what did he do? He became a absolutely deadly three-point shooter, and that's the reason why he was pulling off some of the greatest finals performances of all time when he's playing the, you know, the stacked Warriors by himself. And now I know I'm kind of going off on a little bit of a, you know, tangent or, or just straying away, but it's it just goes to the fact that this guy doesn't have what it takes. He never was the the number one, like he, he'll never live up to that billing, the number one, number one pick, you know, like the next LeBron, there was a lot of talks about that. He's a magic giant, like, no, no. It's one thing to have the talent. You, there's also the mental aspect. The just you have to have it. You have to want to have the drive, the will to succeed, and just the will to want to get better, and the the competitiveness inside you to to never never get comfortable. I guess just to always be striving for greatness, like as as LeBron would say. You know, like it's, I know that's like a corny hashtag and slogan, but it's the truth. You have to always be wanting to get better. And, and Simmons has shown he never, ever was was trying to get better. And you, when you have your brother as your shooting coach and you're not willing to make any sort of concessions or a- admit any wrongdoing or faults in your game, then yeah, that's, that's about as far as you're going to go. Like you'll always be in the NBA. You'll always have a job. You'll always make money. And I think that's probably, uh, that's what he wants. So it's not, you know, you're going to get what you want, but you're not going to be the, you're never going to live up to your potential. And that's a sad, sad reality, but it it just, it just seems like that's the case. So another quote that came out from this, he was frustrated that Rivers didn't come to see him while he was training in Los Angeles last summer. Simmons doesn't dispute that he didn't reply when Rivers texted or called him several times over the summer asking to see him. But in hindsight, Simmons feels Rivers and the Sixers could have done more, like show up like, like show up at a well-known gym in the San Fernando Valley where he was training. Like he's a child. You know, like well, like come and beg him to want to come back and, and you have a phone, dude. You're a grown ass man. You can pick the phone up and, and we could have this conversation right now, whatever it is, you and then you could say, Hey man, I'll come and meet you right now. Alright, I'm at the gym. That's all, you know, like, and then Doc would have came over and they would have discussed it out. But he, you know, he went to the, the, the other extreme. He took it to, you know, oh, I'm so personally hurt and they've, they've, uh, you know, they've affected my mental health and and all this. And he drew it out and made it, dramatized it as much as he possibly could to where he could have just said, yeah, you know, I, I really, I was hurt last year. You guys said that. 
Uh, you know, I didn't know I didn't play well, but uh, I just really felt like you guys could have had my back. And they probably would have been like, you're right, man. We we, we were just upset. You know, like we had just blown a, a series where we definitely should have won. We lost three games at home. Things didn't go our way. We should have we should have had your back. You know, like I'm sure they would admit that they probably should have had us back at the time. But it's hard to have someone's back who doesn't have your own, who will just watch out for himself at any given time and will throw anyone else under the bus when, when they get the first opportunity. And you, you see that when he's coming out and, and saying this shit on, you know, to, you know, sources, but he basically is, I don't know if this is Rich Paul or whoever, but someone is feeding Ramona Shelburne his exact thoughts. You know that this has been uh, combed through and, and finally, uh, you know, this is well thought out. This isn't emotional at this point. This is this is how he feels, and he still feels this way. He's still saying, like, he's still trying to uh, compare his shortcomings in the Atlanta series to, I guess, Embiid's shortcomings in that Toronto series. And you can look at any number, metric, anything, your eyes. You can go back and watch all the games. It's not the same. It's nowhere near the same effect or neg- whatever it is. It's just not. You're not going to find it here. So, did have another quote here. This is probably the last one I'll read from this specific article, but this is like towards the end, I believe. Uh, even so, how, for however much he says he doesn't want to be in Philadelphia, for all the slights, real and perceived, he holds against the franchise. Simmons watches every game, sources close to him say. At the end of the day, it's still his team, a source says, and he still wants to play. So... That kind of leaves the uh, door open for him to maybe, you know, like, like the Sixers have said, they've been holding out hope the whole season that he might come back. I, I know I don't want anything to do with that. I feel the he'll just dark cloud uh, lead balloon this season, you know, while it's finally up in, in an upward trajectory. I, you know, I'd rather just get rid of him, let him go somewhere else and let him mope around and do this diva drama shit somewhere else. That that's that's ideally what I want, but you know, it's interesting to see that he's still watching the games and I that's been a thought, I'm sure, uh, from many Sixers fans like does he even give a shit? So obviously he's still checking in on them and hate watching them maybe uh, every game watching MB just flourish and become the MVP talent that he always has been. And uh, you know, still have the, still has the house out in Morristown that he's, you know, so it's supposed to be uh, up for sale and everything. So he's still still in the area. He's still watching games. He's still checking in on the team. But you know, and he doesn't he doesn't believe that Maury's actually going to trade him before the deadline. And he 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 has an agreement here from me. So that's something me and Ben Simmons do agree on. I, I don't see I don't see it happening. Just because I think the the large majority of fans and Maury hold the same belief that they can get Harden or they can get something better in the offseason and they're just going to hold out hope. Hopefully we can make swing swing a deal or make something happen and maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong, but we are going to find out. And uh, you know, my guy, uh, me, and, me and the Deem, uh, who has been on here a couple times, uh, I love talking. He, he, know, he knows the sports. It's just This is just something me and him disagree on when it comes to, you know, he doesn't think we have any chance to win a championship this year and would rather just hold any trade you can make now you can make in the off season and rather just hold off and wait. I disagree. I'd rather make a trade now. Uh, not just any trade, the right trade. I'm not against holding them till the off season. Uh, I'm not going to be uh, 
leveraged into making a bad deal at this point but i'm just some of the different names i've heard be floated and we're like no we're not i'm like well hold on like well, why don't why wouldn't we do like De'Aaron fox was one of them where i'm not exactly in love with getting De'Aaron fox but i feel like that's a uh i would say fair value maybe but also, like I just said, I'm not in love with that, so I wouldn't be like, you know, I'm not stamp banging my hands at the table. The more I looked at it, I was like, okay, yeah, we don't really need a guy like that. We we could use, uh, you know, like obviously a Harden, a Beal, a guy who can create his own shot and is just a uh, an offensive juggernaut from the from the one or two position. That's pretty much what we're missing. Mainly, we would need a two kind of uh, to play next to Maxi. And Harden or Bradley Beal or somebody like that would be perfect. But I just, like I've said on here a million times, I just don't like the idea of holding out hope and then doing this same charade next year and getting stuck with, oh, well, then we can make the same deal next year. Like, I don't understand why you wouldn't want to make a deal now if you could, if you could. And obviously, we all, these are all hypotheticals. None of us know what's available, what, what real trades are real and what's not. You know, is Halliburton, was he on the table, was he not, uh, you know, Karis Lover, like the different n- names that have just kind of floated their way through the uh, through the ether. We will, uh, you know, I, I, maybe we'll get a resolution. We're like almost under a week. We're a little, actually a little over a week from the deadline at this point. So, uh, you know, hopefully we get a resolution to all this uh, soon and, uh it's all we can hope. Uh, I, let's move on. Uh, I did want to talk about some of the NFL games from this past weekend. Bengals and Chiefs. Uh, Bengals pull off the ultimate upset. They were seven-point underdogs. Get it done. Joe Burrow going to his first Super Bowl. Uh, that guy is just different. He's just built different. Um, you know, he is a uh, your quintessential just gunslinger. He takes chance after chance after chance. Uh, he'll throw picks. He'll you know he almost threw another pick on the side on the sideline towards the end of that game, which would have been awful. Um, you know, but the Bengals defense came up huge in the second half of that game, even towards the end of the second half or the end of the first half. I mean, they just came up huge and, uh, were were the, um, the thing that like the momentum changer, the thing that spurred this team on to, uh, to change the game. I mean, the interception, the knockdown interception by the the lineman who it landed right in his lap after he knocked it down, which was incredible. Uh, you know, and their defense kind of was like uh, dropping eight back, rushing three, and having someone spy uh, uh, Mahomes and leaving him in the pocket. And he was just standing back there holding the ball, and he couldn't find anyone open. And they were, and the, it was working. You know, it was working because he he wasn't throwing it down the field. He wasn't able to get Tyreek Hill and Kelsey uh, involved. It just he couldn't do it. And you you just thought in the back of your mind that it was going to end up the same way as the Bills game. You thought, okay, yeah, this is. You know, I've seen this game before, especially when I went to overtime and made the field goal. I was like, oh, here we go. The coin toss, KC gets it. Oh, like, here we go. Like, the crowd was going nuts. They thought, this shit's over. We, we got this We got this wrapped up. Nope. The defense again, sack, sacking Mahomes. He was just he just held the ball for way too long, and, and I, I'm not faulting him or, or blaming anyone. It just, it was just, he wasn't able to get rid of it. He wasn't able to find anyone and came back to bite them. The, the Bengals get the ball back. They run it down their throats, hit, hit T. Higgins on, on a big pass, and it just, you know, they got their, their boy uh, Evan McPherson out there, uh, who there's been their whiz kid kicker all year long, and he didn't miss. Knocked it right down, and the Bengals are going to the Super Bowl for the first time in over 20 years, you know, more than 20 years, probably 30 years now, but good for them. Uh, I That's just a team that's easily, uh, I, I, 
have an uh, easy time rooting for because they just uh, Cincinnati is a city and uh, a fan base that reminds me of uh, not not exactly of the Eagles, but they have been through it. They've never really experienced the the true happiness that we got to feel a couple years ago. Um, that Super Bowl and how much it meant to all of us around the Delaware Valley and our Eagles fans across the world, how happy it made us and how you know it was the years of everyone telling you it was never going to happen and you're we're never going to win the Super Bowl, we're doomed, and then it finally happened and you're just like oh my god, like you just it's a euphoric feeling that can't be matched as, as a sports fan. You can't it's uh, it's undescribable. It truly is. I, I could sit here and talk about. That 2017, 28, you know, that 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 January, February of 2018, how magical it felt every week going down there and just losing my mind, uh, watching the games at my buddy's house in South Philly, heading down the Broad Street after they won and just carrying on all night long. It, it was just, it was incredible. It was incredible, and uh, I just hope, you know, like when I see fan bases like the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, finally, you know, getting to the dance and having something that they can actually bang their chest about and be happy about. You know, I, I, I feel a, a sense of happiness and just, uh, you know, res- like, I just, you know, I know how it feels. You know, that's that's the feeling. So, rooting for the Bengals. Uh, you know, and the Rams are not a team that's exactly uh, easily hateable too. They, I mean, they have sta- you know guys like Stafford who, ha- you can talk about earn your stripes and and who has you know, earned every bit of the position that he's in. Uh, first year now here in here in L.A., he takes him to the Super Bowl. They get it done. Their defense stood up, stood tall. Garoppolo just couldn't handle the pressure. They were just in his face the whole time. That that D-line is going to be a huge problem in the Super Bowl, I think. Uh, I mean, Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald, it's just... What are you going to do when that when you know you can't double all of them? So somebody is going to be on you know is going to be blocked to you know one on one, and they're going to win majority of the time. So, and you're talking about Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, who you know I, I believe was at the first week or the or it might have been the, the Titans game, right? Where they, he was sacked nine times in that game. So that's that's something that's that, that that's a uh, early on a worry for me if you're gambling or thinking about what uh, what to bet here. Uh, right now, I lean the Rams. I feel like the Rams will get it done. Uh, they just have the better roster overall, offense and defense. Uh, you know, I'm trusting Stafford and his uh, ability to just find Cooper Cup whenever he needs to because it seems like he always just finds him. And uh, you know, I guess we'll we will. We will see. I'm looking forward to the Super Bowl. This is a Super Bowl that, uh, I mean, every year, you know, you wind up looking forward to the Super Bowl. But this is interesting just because it's at least one team. I mean, the Rams aren't exactly, you know, aren't exactly a mainstay in the Super Bowl. They went a couple years ago, but uh, it's just uh, cool to have two teams and uh, that haven't really won it recently. You know, it's not the 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 blue bloods of the league now. The the Chiefs, the the Buccaneers. You know, like even the I mean, the Niners are kind of a uh, you know a team that. Not not a blue blood, I would say, but they uh, they were just in the Super Bowl a couple years. So I guess they're similar to the Rams, but it's just it's nice to have the Bengals in. Basically, that's I guess that's where I'm going with that. So looking forward to the Super Bowl. Uh, so we'll just move on to the Eagles. I did just want to talk about the uh, Eagles and just wanted to do a quick little mock draft situation. Read uh, read a mock draft that I saw online. Uh, I'll probably do this each week. 
leading up to the uh, NFL draft, just to keep the Eagles uh, in in the uh, swing of things or in the in the conversation and whatnot. Uh, this one is going to be from NFL.com's Daniel Jeremiah, and I'm not going to read you through the whole, uh, you know, one through 32 because it doesn't really matter. But uh, in this one, they have Evan Neal going first, who's a offensive tackle from the University of Alabama. I don't know. I, I, I was just sitting there questioning whether offensive tackle is the right word because it's OT, but it's just, it just it just sketched me out. I'm not going to lie. So this is, like I said, NFL.com's Daniel Jeremiah. We have three first-round picks. Now we could discuss for all days whether we're going to use all three of those picks. We're going to trade some of them, trade back, trade into next year, you know, all that different nonsense. That That's a discussion for another day. We can figure that out at another time. But now I just wanted to see. I want to be acquainted with some of the names. Uh, you know, I want all of us to just kind of figure out what you know. We're picking at 15, 16, and nineteen in this year's draft. So right here on this one, we have a George Carlafaltis, an edge rusher from Purdue. Uh, it says the Eagles need some young talent to their odd defensive line. Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham can't play forever. True. I wish Carlafaltis were longer. But I love his leverage and power as a rusher, and he has some inside slash outside flex. So uh, that that speaks for itself right there. Another name that I've seen on a couple of these, and this is the number 16 pick via the Colts, Drake London uh, from USC. He's a, he's, a, he's a junior as well. London gives the Eagles a big frame wideout with an enormous catch radius to complement Devontae Smith, which a lot of us have been saying we, the Eagles need a big uh, wide receiver because right now they have such a uh, small um, receiving core. Uh, you know, I mean, Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins, and Jalen Rager, it's all under basically six foot uh, or six one. Like, it's not much taller than that. Drake London, six five. You know, so that's a big body that you're going to have out there running routes. And let's hope he's not. I mean, when you when I see big wide receivers from, from the Pac 12, I, I get a. Uh, I get a little nervous, all right? So, you know, I start thinking of JJAW, our boy Fago Whiteside, you know, flashbacks, and and now I'm worried that he's just going to be an elite blocking wide receiver, which is crazy that uh, that's that's what that guy's value is now. He's just uh, known as, like, a huge blocker, and that, this, that in itself is just so frustrating. But Drake London... Uh, London reminds me of Mike Williams coming out of Clemson. It's almost impossible to overthrow him, and he dominates 50-50 balls, which that's what we need. We truly need that. uh, I was about to say London, but Hertz needs a guy who, when the chips are down and when things aren't really necessarily going his way, he can just throw it up and and give himself a prayer to maybe have somebody come down with it or at least knock it down, you know? We just need. I think we just. That's just an element of our offense that we're missing. I don't exactly love having wide receivers that are huge because they're usually slow and just, you know, they're they're more prone to be busts than anything else. But and I told you guys before, I'm not really in love with um, drafting another wide receiver for the third year in a row. But since we have three picks, uh, I'm not. I won't kill any of the picks that they really make because we. You can use all these players. We need all these players. So. It won't hurt. So in between our picks, there's a, uh, a Bernard Raymond from uh, the University of Central Michigan. He's an offensive tackle. And Garrett Wilson, who that's a guy who I like as well. Uh, but in the uh, 19th pick, the Eagles will be uh, – they have him selecting uh, Kenyon Green, an offensive guard from the University of Texas A&M. 
The Eagles will likely need to replace future Hall of Famer Jason Kelsey, who's 34 and set to become a free agent. They already have their heir apparent in the building in Landon Dickerson, last year's second rounder, whose move to center would create room for for Green at guard. Now, we don't know if they want to move Dickerson because Dickerson did very well at guard this year. I don't know if they would want to move him back to center. We don't really know if Kelsey's going to come back, and uh, that's a lot of uh, conjecture there, but... I understand the, the thought process. We will need another guard or another offensive lineman in general, but uh, who's moved the center would create room for Green at guard. Green is an outstanding athlete with an ideal size of 6'4", 325 pounds in temperament. So sign me up. I love that. I love picking offensive linemen. The older I've gotten, uh, you know, when I was a uh, high school, when I was a kid, just a young, younger fan, and the, I always wanted the skill positions. I always like, well, why the fuck are we picking another lineman? That was always, you know, the angry thought process. But um, I like, uh, I, I just like the idea of being able, especially if we're going to roll with Hurts. Even if we're not going to roll with Hurts, we need to be able to protect the quarterback and we need to be able to run the ball. And the only way we're going to be able to do that is by having an elite, strong offensive line. Got the retirement of Brandon Brooks the other day, which was, you know, sad to see him go. But uh, he eats up a lot of cap for a guy who seemingly could never stay on the field, never stay healthy. So I, uh, I like that pick. I like a couple of those picks right there. I just like that edge. I like that defensive offensive line and then a, a skill position of some sort. Um, that is something that I would be down for. So uh, I, I like that mock draft. And like I said, we'll read another. We'll read one each week, a different one. Um, and, and we'll even play a little bit of that uh, PFF simulator, the mock draft simulator, and we can make our own picks uh, later on down the line. I mean, we have a couple months here of uh, discussion and talk about the draft and um, we'll all be tired of it by the time April uh, rolls around. So that's that. Uh, this is, Oh, like I said, the flyers did eventually uh, win the game. I did want to just quickly touch on them. And uh, you know, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to give them too much praise because they don't deserve it. They're not a, uh, they're not a reputable organization or franchise at all. Uh, you know, one, seven and two in their last 10 games. Uh, they're on, they won the overtime game. They almost blew it as well. Uh, giving up an empty net goal with uh, 30 seconds, you know, not an empty net, but, um, you know, they, 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 the Kings emptied their net and put the pressure on us and scored with about 30 seconds left. But uh, Lawton scores in overtime, Flyers get it done, and uh, they are no longer on, uh, you know, historical, sh- shitty, uh, you know, losing streak i guess i i don't really I, I struggle i don't even know why i just feel obligated to bring the flyers up on here because i was so excited about them before the season and they've dis disappointed me so tremendously that i just feel like i have to talk about them on here to remind myself to never buy in again never we won't get fooled again all right and i know i will but i won't get fooled again and baseball there has not been any discussion or any movement so far on the on the lockout and uh, I, I, I'm starting to get a little nervous, to be honest. But <clears throat> I just, I really hope that they figure it out by the time the summer. You know, like we, I just love baseball. I love our Phillies. I love talking about them on here. And I really, I really would. Uh, it would be a bummer. It would really would suck if we had no baseball to watch this year, or you know, early on in the year and what or whatever. But I just, I love. Like, I'll say it again. I love baseball. We figure it out, boys. All right, we're arguing over a couple billion dollars. Let's uh, let's get the billions in the right hands, and, and let's you know let's let's cut the pie the right way, and let's get back to playing baseball. Let's get let's get us back in the stadiums. Let's 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 stop the nonsense. All right, ELE, everybody love everybody. But that's gonna wrap it up here for the hot take hot box. My name is Matt McSweeney. Thank you as always for joining me. Uh, please feel free to reach out with any comments, uh, anything you liked about the show, didn't like. You know, I love hearing back from people. Just. 
I'll, like I said, I'll read I'll read anyone's uh, comments on here that they uh, write out for me. I, I people tell me stuff when I see them, but can't remember that. So you know, feel free to tweet me, uh, DM me anything that you want want me to read on the show. I'll, I'm going to start. Uh, hitting Twitter up before these shows and ask uh, anyone if they have any questions for us uh, leading up to the show. But again, thank you as always for joining me. My name is Matt McSweeney. This is the Hot Take Hotbox.